0: Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of life and faith you have given us through the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus. As we come to your word today, open the eyes of our heart so that we may see you ever more clearly, praising Jesus, following him all the day long. This we pray in his name. Amen. If you're visiting today, we have sermon notes, so we've got those if you want to follow along. Some people like them, they can help out a bit. We, uh, for the last two weeks, have been spending some time regarding the work of the Holy Spirit. We've seen that the Holy Spirit's primary and first role is conviction, convicting the world of sin and righteousness and judgment, and then it is also sanctification and now we come to the day of Pentecost, where we are going to expand and learn even more about the power of the Holy Spirit. So Pentecost. That's why we have the red here on the cross, by the way. That's why I'm wearing the red tie, red associated with the Holy Spirit. But most people have no idea what Pentecost is. So let's do a little bit of context. Pentecost Originally, was a feast in the Old Testament. It was called the Feast of Weeks, and then it became known as the Feast of Harvest. And it took place 50 days after the Passover, and Pentecost literally means 50th. So that's why we call it Pentecost. That's what it became known as. So it was a harvest festival in which Israelites... In an agrarian culture, they would bring baskets of the first fruits of the harvest, and it was mostly for wheat. It was the end of the barley, beginning of the wheat. They would bring that before the Lord, celebrating and remembering that it was the Lord who provided them with all things. And rabbinic tradition also says that it was the giving of the Ten Commandments the law from Mount Sinai. They believe that it was 50 days after the Exodus, Moses going up. It's tradition. There's some scripture supports it, but it's not as clear. But there was an understanding anyway that it was remembering God's law. So that's Pentecost. So what you would have is you'd have all of you, the the nation of Israel would come and it would be this big festival. And when the temple was built in Jerusalem everybody came. And here's how what, it's, what would happen. On the morning of Pentecost, the actual day, farmers from around Jerusalem would gather large baskets, several types of food. There would be a flute player and there would be a procession going up to Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem's the city on the hill. And so what they would do is they would sing the songs of ascent. That's Psalms 120 through 136. They're called the songs of ascent because they were literally going up to Jerusalem. And then Psalm 136 would be the climax of this in which it says, who God alone does great wonders. So they were there celebrating. And then they would go to the temple and they would provide the first fruits before the priest. And they were commanded to do a recitation, and it is from Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 3. It says, And you shall go to the priest who is in the office at that time and say to him, and this is what they had to say, I declare today to the Lord your God, that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Really, it's a nice recitation. It is saying, The Lord, I am offering this unto the Lord who has given in this land of milk and honey. Now, the catch was, you needed to do that in Hebrew. How many of you brushed up on your Hebrew today? No? It'd be pretty tough, right? And especially because you think, well, in Israel, they all spoke Hebrew. No, no, they they came from many different countries, many different languages. In our reading from Acts, there's about 15 different languages. So here you're supposed to remember Hebrew. Now, what would it be like if you came up for communion and had to recite Latin before you actually could receive communion? How many of you might sit in your chairs rather than receive communion? That's the situation. They were embarrassed, and they didn't want to go and have to mumble, stumble through Hebrew. So the priest started to recite that. He said, all right, fine. You don't have to say it. I'll say it. But now you have a priest who's speaking Hebrew, and they don't understand the language at all. Can you imagine if I gave the whole sermon in Latin? You'd be like, I don't know, you moved your arms okay, but that's about all I got. (laughs) So in a nutshell, here's the problem. The old law, the covenant was remembered in Pentecost. People were to confess to the Lord, but there was a language barrier, so people did not confess unto the Lord. That's the context that you need to know regarding Pentecost when we get to our reading. So now, with that in mind, let's go to the first section, which is about the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of flames of fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. So Jesus had ascended in heaven and he said that there would be the power of the Holy Spirit would be with you. He said, I will send the Holy Spirit to be with you. That you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And it was quite a baptism. There are two things I'd like us to focus on regarding the power of the Holy Spirit here. It is both wind and fire. Luke states that there's the sound of a blowing, violent wind. By the way, he does not say, and the room shook with the wind or their clothes fluttered in the wind. It was simply a sound of a violent wind. And this sound of wind associated with the Holy Spirit shouldn't surprise us because we find that wind and the sound of wind is associated with the Holy Spirit from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. Elijah on the mountain, the wind in a mighty roar was around him. Spirit of the Lord. In Ezekiel, remember Ezekiel? We did them bones, them bones right? The rising of the born bones the, into flesh. Ezekiel 37, verse 9, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, wind, breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slains that they may live. So what is the wind, what is the breath of the spirit associated with? Life. The spirit of the Lord, the wind, it is new life. It is a regeneration, a new man. If you take our reading from, his, uh, from 1 Samuel, you will become a new man when the spirit of the Lord comes upon you. So here's the sound of the spirit, the rushing, the new breath. Jesus himself said this. Remember he was talking, uh, and I just blanked his name you'll get it. The wind, (laughs) I just literally blanked his name. Nicodemus. Thank you. Thank you. I know you were thinking that. So Jesus affirms this with Nicodemus. He says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit the Spirit, a new life, a new birth, wind. But there's also fire, too. So fire is a symbol of purity, of purification. Fire is found... Oh, man, when you read the Old Testament and the New Testament, you find fire throughout there, and it is the Lord's fire that refines and purifies. In the Old Testament, for example... God's presence, His holiness, His judgment is found when Moses heard the voice of God in the burning bush, right? There's the fire, the burning bush right there. Fire was before the altar of the Lord, reminding them of the offering to God. And it was fire that came down on Mount Carmel with Elijah and the false prophets. Just, he was showing that even though the wood was wet, everything was soaked, the Lord still reigned. So fire, purification. So now, what do we have? The Holy Spirit was with wind and fire, right? There's that new life, the purification. But for what purpose was this power? What purpose was the power? It was the power for witnessing. And ultimately, this power of the Holy Spirit is not for the disciples' glory. It is not for our glory. It is for the glory of God. The Holy Spirit came for the glory of God. And when they received the Holy Spirit, what were they to do? They were to be witnesses, which is what Jesus also told them. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when they heard that, they were like, like, okay, how's that supposed to happen? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the first miracle on the day of Pentecost, what the disciples were filled when powered by the Holy Spirit for witness. First miracle. Now, let's talk about the witness of the Holy Spirit. Verse 4 through 6. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, they were dealing in Jerusalem Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Now, imagine you're at a crowd at Fountain Hills, and you know this guy, and he's uneducated, didn't go to high school or anything, and he's up there speaking, and you're from Poland. And you're hearing Polish. And you say to the next person, can you believe it? He's speaking Polish. And the guy says, what are you, crazy? He's speaking English. And the other person says, are you crazy? He's speaking Romanian. Now, by the way, some people thought it was just gibberish. And they said he was drunk. They're all drunk. Peter says, no, look, it's 9 in the morning. He had a wristwatch. He said, it's 9 in the morning. We're not drunk. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit gifted them with language for the purpose of witnessing. And it was a language that was a spoken, intelligent language. It was intelligible, it was intelligent so that others may come to faith. Here's my little graphic. Jesus is Lord. Amen. That's in a nutshell what happened. How does faith come to us? Faith comes from hearing, right? And you remember beforehand they would come and offer before the the priest. The priest would speak Hebrew and it was all gibberish. Now that language barrier is broken. That's the significance here. God chose Pentecost that day to say that the gospel was for all. But he needed somebody to preach, right? So Peter's there, he's preaching. And this is probably one of the best sermons outside of the sermon by our our Lord Jesus Christ. He first starts with God's word. He doesn't talk about general things. He goes right to the heart of the matter, and he says, he quotes Joel. He says, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he does a lengthy segment from Joel, and then his point is, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and then he ties the Old Testament directly to Jesus. It is a Christ-centered, Christ-filled, spirit-filled sermon. He says this, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourself know, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for God to be held by him. And the people heard this word, and do you remember how did they respond? What's the first thing the power of the Holy Spirit does? convicts, they were convicted, they were cut to the heart. They said now, and says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise of is for you and your children and all who are far off and everyone whom the Lord, call God, Lord our God calls to himself. You see, the point is this Pentecost was a harvest festival of salvation in which Jesus Christ, who is the first fruit of the Lord, was offered. How did the church grow? it grew because Christ was proclaimed that's how the church grew and Jesus Christ the first fruits in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 20 it says but in Christ but in fact Christ Jesus has been raised from the dead the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep and so we have this it was the power it was through the power and witness of the holy spirit that worked through the apostles to speak in different languages so that there was a salvation of souls. That's Pentecost, and that's the miracle of Pentecost. That's how the church was birthed. And what does church mean, by the way? Assembly of believers. Not a building was birthed, but a body of believers because the gospel was proclaimed. Now, you might wonder... Peter said that repent, be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what do you think the gift of the Holy Spirit is? I mean, that's a good question. Is it speaking in tongues? Is it prophecy? I mean, a lot of us think that's the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? And some, by the way, some churches have made tongues, prophecy, and other things the gift of of the Holy Spirit. But when you read Pentecost, what was the gift that was really given? And the gift and the greatest gift is faith in Christ Jesus. People expect some other gift that I'm going to receive by the Holy Spirit. And by the way, there are such things as spiritual gifts, and we're going to do another sermon in two weeks about that. But right now, on the day of Pentecost, the gift you receive is faith in Christ Jesus. And that is the most precious gift. It is a gift that is refined by fire, more precious than gold, that is of eternal significance. And it is indeed a gift that you can only receive by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a what from God. It's a gift from God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Luther also put this pretty well in his uh, small catechism. I believe that by my own understanding or strength, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. You get that? By my own intellect, by my own strength, I can't even come to Christ. I can't be born again unless it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the gift of the Holy Spirit right there. But instead, the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel. Therefore, the miracle of Pentecost, miracle of the Holy Spirit filling them, empowering them to share the gospel of all for salvation to all who believed. That's the birth of the new church. So, in this church, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we in one voice say, I believe, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, that He died for me, and there is salvation in no one else but Him. That's the church. And that is the glory, and that is the beauty of the church. And if we ever lose that, if we ever just become a social club, if we ever just focus on other things and lose that, we are no longer the church. Now, some people might say, Pastor, you missed an important point here. You missed one of the central things that happened there. They spoke in tongues. Wasn't tongues the gift? Isn't to be a Christian to speak in tongues. And by the way, there are some groups, Pentecostals, Charismatics, who will say that you must speak in tongues, and unless you don't, you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they make that the defining point of faith in Christ. So I'm not going to do a whole treatise here. As a matter of fact, for those who are interested Uh, I actually printed off a a copy uh, that I wrote in seminary about uh, the gift of tongues, and it's on the resource table back there. Uh, It's Admittedly, it was for seminary. There are a lot of technical Greek words in there, but I think you can still read it and glean some things from it regarding the gift of tongues. But let me just briefly say a couple things about this. Spiritual gifts, tongues... Tongues itself, or any gift, is a gift from the Spirit. It's a miraculous gift. You can't earn it. You cannot deserve it. Look, the apostles were not praying, Lord God, send me the gift of tongues so that I may speak in other languages. They weren't praying that. They didn't deserve it. It is simply a gift, and it is a miraculous gift. By the way, if you ever see on TV... Sign up now for the school of prophetic sayings or healing. And by the way, there are such schools. Run away from them. Because they say you can learn this gift. No, it is a gift from the Spirit. The gift of tongues is a gift that is understandable in intelligent language so that others may come to faith. It's an understandable language. Now, there's more to it than that, but I'm just trying to gently lay some groundwork here for later on. Number three, the gifts are for the glory of God in Christ Jesus. This is an important one because sometimes the gifts, people will use those gifts not for the glory of Christ, but for our own glory. In one of our Bible studies, we watched a video when people were supposedly slain by the spirit and they were on the floor and making all sorts of sounds and it looked demonic. It did not look for the glory of God. The other thing about gifts, they are primarily used to be publicly, not privately. When we are given gifts, they are gifts for ministry, to share and to witness. And finally, none of the gifts are greater than one another. Apparently, apparently the PowerPoint's done today. So there you go. I'm going to wrap up, apparently. That was from the Holy Spirit. All right. I'll take that as a cue. Look, the miracle on Pentecost was that people were empowered by the Holy Spirit to share, to witness, and that people came to faith pray that you are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit and gifted so that you may be a witness to others for a salvation of souls. That's the day of Pentecost. That's the church. And to that, everybody said, amen. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com.